Hello and welcome to this episode of the Bullet Points podcast. I'm Edward Smith. I'm joined as ever by Reed McCarter. Hey. Hey there. Hey man. Hey. How's it going? It's good. Do we we should probably apologize for uh we've we've missed some episodes. Yeah, we've we've had some I mean we record this show over three countries and two different time zones. So I'm in Great Britain. Reed, you're in Canada, and Patrick, who isn't with us this evening, uh, it's just the two of us tonight, but Patrick is in the United States, so we're recording this via Skype, uh, different time zones, different countries, and it usually creates some sort of technical chicanery, but our last couple of episodes have been completely lost down the bloody sound hole, and we've had to just leave them be. With exciting guests, even, too. I know, we had a couple of really good conversations, and it would have been great to to bring them into the public light but it also would have cost us I think a lot of credibility uh, among our listeners who and listen, might our, have found them our enormous credibility is, is uh, oh yeah we, we can't damage that it's what we have I don't know I think we might be too big to fail uh, is there such a th- is there such a thing as <laughs> is there such a thing as too small to fail <laughs> you just no one nothing you're, you're so irrelevant and tiny that no matter what well, happens it's not going to affect you if you want to peek behind the curtain i think the the, the written half of the uh, bullet points corporation is is could be too small to fail yeah but the podcast i don't know no we need to make at least i think like ten dollars a month we get a few hundred listeners to this podcast i don't really know the metrics on the website um I almost don't want to. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I I see the metrics. Do you? I'm, I'm never going to tell you what it is. I don't want it the to me- affect your work. <laughs> the metrics reloaded. The metrics revolutions. Let me tell you I this. I don't want to know. Website traffic uh, for a site like ours is governed more by uh, sheer luck than by quality or uh, R- right or anything else. Would it help if I posed for a series of revealing slash erotic photographs that had the bullet points logo watermarked onto them no because you already do that on twitter and... i stopped doing that no i used to do that i don't do that anymore i don't i don't display myself on twitter these days i've 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 evolved i feel like i'd be sacrificing some sort of video game critic again credibility if i started up those shenanigans again i've got to be uh i've got to be all reserved and decorum and Uh articulate these days yeah anyway every tweet (laughs) workshopped focus grouped proofread 100% 100% yeah I get my tweets proofread by uh, the English department of Oxford University they really brush them up for me which is also Um, what your patreon dollars go towards (laughs) 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 uh, yeah anytime Ed tweets it's a laborious process that's why he's not always exactly up to date. It's ninety dollars per tweet. Look forward to his Anthony Scaramucci tweet uh, yeah, next next in, week in November. Yeah. Uh, so after that quick look into what makes bullet points tick, uh, this episode we're going to be talking about. I was trying there to think of a segue. I was going to say something like, "This episode we're talking about." watchdogs 2 which is kind of about what makes the world tick i.e technology but i thought that was so hamstrung uh anyone listening might have just turned off and kind of well, thrown their computer through a closed window what you just did though is you did it anyway 
Yeah, but I did it in a way that was self-effacing and deprecating and, and charming in a kind of bashful Hugh Grant Four Weddings <laughs> kind of way. <laughs> that's yeah. Okay. No, that yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll, you know, I'll take it then. You. And that's the kind of that's the kind of stereotype people like. That's the kind of national archetype that people respond to. Right. So today we're going to do Watch Dogs 2 from Ubisoft. It came out 2016. It's the sequel to, obviously, Watch Dogs from 2014. It's an open-world game. You play as Marcus Holloway, who is part of an underground hacking movement in San Francisco called DeadSec, which aims to bring down... Ve- yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which aims to bring down and expose the corruption within uh, various tech conglomerates stand-ins for companies like Google, Facebook, etc. None of them are called, you know, the actual names, but you can tell who's who. And along the way, he is variously betrayed, has to try and increase DeadSec's online visibility, makes friends, loses friends, there are thrills and spills, etc. Reads. This really is just analogous to the bullet points experience. Try to increase your follower (laughs) count. Expose the corruption within. Yeah. Make friends, lose friends, betrayal, true friendship. Um, the difference being, I think Watch Dogs 2, it all kind of all works out in the end. Whereas Bullet Point <laughs> may well not. What did you think of this game, though, in general? Um, There's a lot, obviously, that I've not, you know, that's the, no, the, no, no. the most bare bones description of this game at all. But, yeah, there's. Um, I'm sure we'll get into lots of different aspects of it um i don't like it i don't like it i think is what i would say there are things about it i really like um i think when you talk about watchdogs one it's really easy to say i it's a bad game and leave it at that i think this one is in some ways hurts more (laughs) in a sense because it it's really close to being a few different things that I think could could be really entertaining um, or could possibly have some kind of social value uh, could could sort of point out something um, and and this one kind of it's, it's just it's a really messy game it's it's mm. trying to be I think a few different things and it never seems entirely sure what it wants to be um, it, it's a really campy game in a lot of ways it has a lot of really sort of um, a lot of jokes that are kind of make you groan, but it also has a few little bits of satire that are kind of a hair above recent GTA in terms of if if you want something a game about the I don't know kind I think, of the... I think they're more than a hair above. That's that's one thing I would say in this game's defense. I think Grand Theft Auto is an interesting comparison, actually, one that I hadn't thought about before. And I'd say they're definitely more than a hair above. You know, they're a full mustache above Grand Theft Auto. I think that there's there's a lot more brains behind Watch Dogs 2 than there is GTA these days. Well, if you want to talk about the two two games being... I, I think I probably kept thinking about uh, GTA 5 because of, you know, it's mm. California. It has the kind of modern day trying to be kind of funny, trying to be dramatic and sort of falling all over itself doing both. Um it's it's definitely a much better game than Grand Theft Auto Five, but I don't know if that's sort of like a binary rating scale, you know. It's not saying much, I don't think. I mean, 
I'd like to one day do GTA 5 properly and do it on this show. Uh, obviously, it would mean playing it again. It's a very long game, but I think that that game is <clears throat> very terrible and, and sort of odious. Whereas Watch Dogs 2, I, I don't find odious or even terrible. I think, like you said, it's falling all over itself. It's quite confused. It never goes as far as I want it to. And mm-hmm. there are a lot of huge tonal inconsistencies I think it's it's worth laying out right at the start of this discussion uh, and I know exactly how it, all, it, it always sounds quite rightly it sounds ludicrous whenever somebody like me starts talking about something like this but in, in Watch Dogs 2 Marcus the central character is black and all of the or the majority I think of the tech organisations that he's combating are run by patronising and, and condescending and wealthy white people and like Mafia 3 which we've discussed on this program there's a a, a fantastic and, and certainly for video games a really refreshing and, and necessary binary or, or, or paradigm or, or social critique basically whereby you're playing a, a young compared to his antagonist poor black person dismantling fighting the white system a, a, a white system which I think more than even the one in Mafia 3. <laughs> no, w- not exactly. I, w- I wouldn't say more than. I wouldn't say more than, no. More than is not the right way to put it. But in a different way, it's, it's insidious. It's a, it's a white system that is, is insidious in a way that perhaps... Um, I don't know how to put it, but it's, it's, it's an insidious white system, basically. And Marcus is trying to destroy it. And that's opening the game up to... A lot of promise, I suppose, because those are things that, well, that's a, that's a storyline that you don't commonly see in video games. But it doesn't, unlike Mafia Three, which I think, while not always sort of right or or not always careful and not always as articulate as I'd like, is at least consistent. Watch Dogs Two is the opposite of that and can't quite get its, not exactly didactic, but can't quite get its point straight, can't quite get its argument across. Well, there's a comparison to be made between those games too, in terms of Watch Dogs 2, like Mafia 3, is also a game uh, like some of the Grand Theft Auto games were meant to be, of of someone who is kind of like um, just sort of I don't know the best way to put this you have like you have these giant systems of, of power, uh, you know, these corporate systems these that, you know, intersect with uh, the law. You know, a lot of times in Watch Dogs 2, you're fighting the FBI, um, probably about after, I guess, halfway through the game or so. Um, so it, you do have this sense, uh, like a proper cyberpunk story, that you're going up against a system, you know, that you are... Uh, inhabiting the role of of someone who is just an ordinary person who is just trying to essentially live their life the way that they've been promised in the American dream style that they can do what they want and be who they want to be and and these other systems that present themselves as as the way things are their establishment systems you're playing as someone who is you know trying to dismantle them because they're hypocritical um, Mafia Three always knows I think that that's what it is. Um, mm-hmm. Because it's so <clears throat> it's so stark when you have the you know the the 
setting in late 60s Louisiana. Um, uh, it's it's extremely clear in this game. There's so much potential to explore how this works, and not just in terms of in, in lots of different ways. I mean, the, the characters are young. They are uh, incredibly smart people who seem to not have opportunities that uh, that they should have for being so gifted, <clears throat> um, being so intellectually gifted, and they're kind of seeing something that maybe because of their their viewpoint, because of their intelligence, that other people aren't seeing. You know, it's a kind of like halfway like they live style thing where. Uh, the Google stand-in and the Facebook stand-in, and you know they're they're tracking, they're trying to connect the dots between how these these companies are preying on on the good faith that they enjoy just by being popular. Um, and and there's really something to having these characters who are seeing this and they're they're trying to spread the word about it and they're trying to do damage to them by by just essentially showing as many people as possible what they see. Um, I kind of went off went well, to the think... weeds a little bit there, but I th I think that's what works in Watch Dogs 2 when they are concentrating on that aspect of the story. I feel like when I was talking about insidiousness, what I was trying to say is that to by be just by being set in the 1960s, compared to Watch Dogs 2, Mafia 3 is more uh, analogous to what's going on now. Not Whereas Watch Dogs 2 is a more literally, this is what's going on in, you know, because it's a, it's a contemporary setting. So I think I think both games are saying something very urgent, something that's sort of politically relevant, something that's absolutely true today. But Watch Dogs 2 is doing it uh, literally, as opposed to Mafia 3, which is suggesting that, what, well, quite rightly t saying that what happened back then is still happening now. Mm -hmm. Watch Dogs 2 <coughs> is saying this is simply, this is what is happening now. And, and I mean, like, sorry, I, I think I cut you off there. Mm -mm. No, the point is, I think the point is that Mafia Three was was making that comparison. The past is still going on now. Watch Dogs Two, I think, is saying this thing that you think is kind of benevolent and maybe a little harmless and sort of enhances your life, i.e., technology, is actually sinister underneath and and prejudice and discriminatory so whereas Mafia 3 is saying oh this thing that you thought was harmless and, and ended a while ago yeah that's still happening right now whereas Watch Dogs 2 similarly is saying this thing you think is not a problem anymore because it's just technology it's just your phone and it's all cool no it's really got a lot of problems it's, it's very damaging to a lot of people so I think that's the similarity that I was trying to get at and couldn't quite articulate earlier on yeah that, that makes sense I think and I, I think that's worthwhile um, I think so. And if you look at the first Watch Dogs, where you play Aiden Pierce, a middle-aged, relatively affluent white man, who, under the rubrics of justice and doling out law and kind of putting the world to right, travels into the poorest districts of Chicago and shoots up young black men and does it whilst also listening to hip-hop you know, with the, the speakers on his iPhone... If you think of that game and the odiousness of its politics almost don't need describing past just saying what you do in the game. I think anyone with like a modicum of conscience can see that that's bad. Yeah, and there are, you know, not to 
bring the discussion too much into Watch Dogs 1, which we did talk about doing before, and I think just kind of fell to the wayside, and I will not play that game for a third time. You can't, you can't make me. <laughs> no one. No. Unless, I don't know, send me $500 and we'll do it. Um, and Ed. And Patrick. <laughs> hmm. um, but I, I think Watch Dogs 1 also could have found a way maybe to... I, I don't know. You can take all of these kind of stories and you can make something out of them. Watch Dogs 1 did not. Uh, definitely did not. Watch Dogs 2 kind of stings more because so much of the premise um, and, and aspects of the execution are so on the mark. You know, I think mm. the idea of, of having this kind of story and, and putting it in okay, you're, you're uh, a young person outside of the system in Silicon Valley, I, I think is fantastic. And set in San Francisco, which is a city that has um, absolutely astonishing, um, has had this astonishing transformation uh, because of Silicon Valley, because of uh, what the, the, the rich have done to the poor in, in that area. And not even the poor, just people of, of you know, to the middle class, they're forced them out of the city and, and dominated a city that used to be one of the most you know, countercultural and, and vibrant um, in America. Uh, putting all of this there with that history and, and that, you know, the present day of what Silicon Valley is and, and making your enemies companies that, you know, Google and Facebook and, uh, and uh, oh God, what's Elon Musk's company? Why am I blanking on this? SpaceX is that the one? Yeah, that's right. No, is uh, that it? Yeah. Yeah. Tesla, Tesla. I don't fucking know. <laughs> SpaceX is the one I'm thinking of though, because there is a mission where you sneak into uh, a place where they're they're building a rocket. Um, yeah, that's right. And it's very, I think it's very SpaceXy. Um, but you know, drawing drawing all these comparisons and and saying, you know, look at these companies and look at um, the way that. The data they're collecting and and the way that they profile you with your own permission and how do you fight back against that what do you you know beyond just knowing that it's happening what are the greater effects of these things you can make i think a a story that has some greater value and is also very entertaining out of that you know uh and i think that's what they're going for i don't know if we should get into it now but it the game falls apart well, the, the tonal inconsistency for me that I, I referenced earlier on is, <clears throat> I said this to you when we were we were writing it, went back and forth about this game before we started recording this evening, and one of the things that gives the game some vim and some brio and really makes you like the characters who you're playing, it's not just not solely the the righteousness of their ambition, it's also the dialogue between them they're they're enjoyable they you know occasionally enjoyable characters to be around despite their audacious and ridiculous clothing and things like that they occasionally have quite plausible exchanges there seems to be like a genuine warmth between them and whether you laugh at them or not they share a lot of jokes between missions right so you've got this group of characters who are almost like the kids from the breakfast club or something like that and then you've got these missions where you break into places and if you want, and there's not very much that the game does to discourage this, in fact you might argue that the game encourages this by providing you with them in the first place, you can shoot all of these security guards with 
shotguns and assault rifles and things like that. So you've got this dreadful tonal inconsistency of Marcus Holloway and his friends being portrayed in a way that is really heartwarming and sincere and also relevant and urgent and you you maybe stop a little short of this but you might even say brave for a video game you've got these characters who are depicted that way but then because of what the missions allow you to do they look psychopathic they look awful and the the story completely falls to pieces because of it well yeah the you know we talked about this too the juxtaposition of um and, and we should talk more about the game's sense of humor because that's actually a big point for me about what i think about this game um but the game is set up in such a way and, and you and i were talking about this you have a stun gun and you have uh you know you can sneak up behind people and he has like a it's like a yo-yo almost it's like a mm. it's some some sort of like something hard on, on the end of like a piece of like elastic rope and you go up behind someone that's your 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 uh, knockout move is he like whacks them in the head with this ball on a stick i guess yeah. ball ball on a rope um so the game gives you these tools to to go through and you know it, it's still fairly violent but um but to, to go through just sort of neutralizing people and also you can hack into cameras and and lay traps for people where things like um uh you can have like a power generator so it just bursts when it comes near them and they get electrocuted and knocked out so it's still you know violent enough to be a mainstream video game i guess but but not um completely different i think than uh holding an assault rifle and, and shooting someone in the head um the game sets up these things so you but you go into a mission and marcus is almost always talking to his the other dead sec people uh through his phone and you'll be talking to them and you're kind of goofing around and you're saying like you know so and so deserves to go down and a lot of the missions involve things like kind of embarrassing people uh public mm -hmm. figures you know you'll trying to think of some good examples it, there's, a, there's, a, there's a stand in for I can never quite pronounce his surname but the guy Martin Shkreli or Martin Shrekli oh who you know Shkreli Shkreli yeah. he has a, he has a uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for doppelganger not quite doppelganger but yeah there's someone in there who represents him yeah that's one of the very first ones I think is you go to this guy and he you know he's supposed to be Shkreli buying the, the Wu-Tang album um, that's the one and the idea is, hey, if you can get into this guy's phone, this like pharma bro, get into his phone and tell him that you have, you know, that you are this rapper and you have an unreleased track or whatever for him, uh, and then he transfers the money and you're playing a soundboard for him, and then, you know, you siphon out his money. Uh, lots of the missions are are things of like stealing information from people. Um, you're almost never stealing anything material. You steal like. You know motherboards and I think a server at one point and a few other things like that and there are missions where you have to neutralize people but they're the vast majority of them are embarrassing people in some way usually by taking their their information um, so you'll have these missions that begin like they're they're capped off on either end with some sort of dialogue where people are kind of like laughing joking around and everyone's you know having a good time it's it's like a prank it's like <laughs> It's like TPing someone's house, you know. But a lot of these missions, if it's hard or you just feel like it, Marcus could have killed, you know, 40 people in 10 mm. minutes. <laughs> Walked out of this place, like, stepping over the bodies of all these dead people. 
and then he's you know <laughs> high-fiving people and they're all making jokes and stuff and it's mm. it's you're completely right to say it's, it's it makes them seem like monsters like really really messed up people more so than they would be if they were stock uh you know if they were aiden from the first game who just seems mm. like a piece of shit from the beginning uh these characters it feels really really bizarre in a way that the game definitely doesn't intend i think that there's a war going on <clears throat> maybe behind the scenes of this game and maybe even unbeknownst to the people working on it there's an enormous tension to the point that i call it a war between the people who wrote the script and the people who made the game um i, I feel like the people who wrote the script had like a, a really quite a cogent vision for it and great idea of who these characters were and how to make us kind of like these characters and want to be around these characters and the people making the game didn't almost like didn't have access to the script it seems like or or were under some kind of tacit instruction that this has got to be somewhat similar to the first game it's got to have you know some boxes from the first game um there's a sort of effort to make Watch Dogs 2 something that I don't think the script is um, I I don't think the script, I don't think the dialogue is the script of a of an action movie. I don't think the or you know an action game rather. I don't think the script of the characters belong in a, a story that's got a lot of violence and, and got a lot of action. Um, but that's what the game has, and I that kind of undercutting of the script to make this sort of it sounds so cynical and so typical, but to make the game commercially acceptable, I think is a, a small tragedy well it seems like maybe the idea was Watch Dogs 1 people were cool on it you know it only scored an 81 on Metacritic mm. as opposed to a 97 or whatever they wanted um, and you know people complained and rightfully so uh, about the most you know the most visible symptom of, of what you were talking about before uh was just Aiden Pierce, the character, just being so dour, and the entire game, even though it, it had this kind of, there's something kind of inherently playful about manipulating rooms full of, of security guards and and people like that with, um, you know, making a forklift move on its own or something. You know, it's it's like a poltergeist kind of thing. It's it's inherently kind of funny and slapstick, and uh, and Aiden seemed like he was <laughs> he was like Batman in a world that was Ghostbusters, you know mm. um, and it seems like maybe the idea was, okay, put some more options in to how you sneak around and how you hack into things because this is a sequel and then, you know we want the writers to be making something that's a bit more playful and lighthearted, and so you have these two halves where you could see someone saying these are these are the improvements we need, but it's not holistic, so it doesn't doesn't quite work. Which makes it such a bummer because I think there are I don't know, there are so many elements of this game that are, are really close to being more than they are. Mm. Um, it's, no, sometimes I I play a game and it's got a great sense of contemporary relevance. And it's it's playing on things that are happening right now, and things that are very close to people's hearts, very close to my heart. And I'm playing it, and I 
sometimes I'm trying to think of specific games I might be able to in a moment sometimes I get the sense that this has been cut in this is this has been deliberately placed this isn't really coming from a position of sincerity or genuine social concern or anything so noble I sometimes get the sense that it's a marketing ploy almost and I, I get the sense that it's a way to get people talking about the game and to sell the game and not really much else and I think it's it can sometimes feel like quite a cynical ploy when I suppose Bioshock Infinite is an example I'd come back to and <clears throat> there was a lot of talk about how it was such a uh, an opus about American politics and where America is as a country and you play it and it's not really anything of the sort but there's enough token references and enough kind of rubbernecking observations or semi-observations about America that it could just about get away with calling yourself that and in the process drum up a lot of quite excited editorials and things like that before it released and that to me feels quite cynical and there's a lot of games that do that and, and I like that or feel like that to me I don't actually get that impression with Watch Dogs 2 I actually do feel like the writers care about what they're writing about and I actually do feel like they care about their characters and I, I really do get the sense that they were trying and and on occasions actually do say something. I don't feel like this is a cheap ploy. But yeah, there's so much else going on in the game. So basically, the script is what I like. The premise is what I like. The script is what I like. Even when the jokes don't land or the characters are a little bit obnoxious, what I like is the script and I like the premise. What I don't like is the everything else. Basically, because uh, it, when mm -hmm. it's not when it's not clashing tonally. All that stuff is also really boring. There's something really boring about the hacking in Watch Dogs 2. There's something really boring about driving a remote control car through someone's office to go and hack their computer. There's something boring about if you do decide to play it this way for the sake of the story. There's something boring about stun guns and batons and sort of stun stunning people with gas released from a vent that you've triggered with your smartphone. There's something really dry and sort of non-orgasmic about it. It's never quite crescendo. But and Okay, sorry. sorry. Karen. No, 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 no. I was going to say because I feel that way partially. I, I, there are moments I, I like the watchdog stealth thing, the idea of you know the poltergeist thing, of hacking yeah. into all these different systems. There are times when I think that's that's really neat, but I do probably feel more often like I, it's not for me, and that's fine. <laughs> like, I, I think there's a version of this game that is more. That is is less for me. That's that's less sort of in touch with the the kind of game I enjoy playing, and is that a, and that's a far better game that works far more for what they see this game as and what I think people like the idea of Watch Dogs as you know the the toys the um, you know the different ways to fuck with guards and to you know move cranes around with your phone and all of these kind of things. I, I find that stuff a little bit... I don't, I don't know how to put it. It's part of the reason I don't like certain stealth games. Um, mm. And that's fine. I, I wish it had more of that, though. I wish it had this personality that was really distinct where I could look at some of this game and say, well, that's not really my cup of tea. And But it's, you know, it is the game it wants to be. Um, mm. There's There's the other thing, too, which... You know, I wish we had Patrick here to talk with us because I know he likes cyberpunk stuff a lot. But there is the old thing in that genre too, where um, 
God, I hope I'm not getting this wrong. But as far as I understand, it's the idea that the underdog defeats the establishment or is able to fight back against them because, not because of their physical power, because they're the underdog, because they don't have the physical power and the sort of systemic power, but because they understand something that other people don't. That they, they have, because they're tuned into what actual, you know, people around them think and feel and and they're intelligent that they're able to subvert people you know so hacking becomes this great symbol of that right that's why hacking in the 90s was this big counterculture thing or seen as it um and that to me is what watchdogs is supposed to be it's supposed to be you know marcus and and the other you know young dead sec people who the great visual in these games is marcus when he's sitting just outside of a room full of armed guards uh, cross-legged yeah. with his laptop out um, you know destroying them like just it's a really great image it really is a finding ways to image. yeah like finding ways to mess around with them and to hack into things and uh, he's just sitting there uh, and it's fantastic and, and that to me is is what these games are it's it's look at you you're a you're a riot cop with you know your shield face mask and, and baton and rifle and here's this guy wearing, you know, a hoodie and jeans, and he's sitting and <laughs> he's sitting with his computer, and he's getting everything you're trying to protect because he understands something. You know, he's uh, mm. that to me is the whole cyberpunk thing, and that's that's what these games should be. They're, the stun gun even feels like too much. Um, well, that's it. I I think that again, I said this to you before we started recording, but especially in regards to Watch Dogs 2 force and violence feel like they are the, the the language and the means of precisely what Marcus is trying to fight so when he uses them as well it, it collapses the game's quite interesting moral binary or not even binary but you know moral relationship when he and so often does he do this when he starts to fight on the same terms as the people he's fighting the game becomes exclusively uninteresting um, yeah that's probably why i find it boring one of the reasons i find it boring at least like i was describing earlier to, to melee and to stun and to even like knock people out to sort of incapacitate people in this game feels boring because it, it loses all of the political charge it's baffling to me well it's not baffling no, because you understand because why they do it. I understand why they do it because you need something in there, I suppose, to maybe like sugarcoat this. For I'm bored of explaining that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, you know, I do it because they want to sell games and because they've not got the guts to do something different. <laughs> but can you? And, sorry. But can you imagine if they didn't? I mean, I, I I can't quite picture the 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 Watch Dogs two that is exclusively kind of non-violent, at least no violence committed by the player I can't quite picture it but it's not my job to picture it I suppose it's it's that's up to like an inventive game maker and that's who these people I suppose would like to think of themselves as the other thing that bothers me I, I guess about this game is something that bothers me about a lot of games that tackle and this is certainly true of Grand Theft Auto 5 I've said this in a few articles I've said this about Grand Theft Auto 5 Grand Theft Auto 5 is a game where the chief protagonist is a billionaire and his being a billionaire is sort of central to his villainy but it's also a game <clears throat> that sold in excess of one billion dollars worth of copies yes. in a couple of days and then they put out a press release boasting as much so there's a gigantic hypocrisy there and I find the same 
I'm not quite sure how much it bothers me, but I, I certainly think it's worth noting that this is a game about destroying a tech giant made by Ubisoft, which is a multinational video game developer. Yes, I. that's something I was actually going to bring up before, but have, too. Ha- having said that, I feel like there's quite there's several moments in this game that are a little self... like They, they go a little further into criticising the tech world than I would have expected. On the contrary, I think one of the locations you can discover in the game is Ubisoft offices itself, and never once do you have to go there on a mission to, to fuck up someone's computer because they're doing something terrible. Well... Yeah, I mean, brief aside about that mission, which maybe is interesting to talk about because it's. I think that was also something I did near the beginning. In the first hour or two of this game, I was thinking, I this is awful. It's the jokes and everything, I was like, these are terrible. I don't like any of these characters. But one, yeah, and I think it's an early side mission you can do where uh, your buddy, the guy in the mask, Wrench, says, um, there's a new Ubisoft trailer. Uh, for their new game, um, if we if we can get this video and stream it and leak it out, then we'll we'll get some followers. So it's worth doing. Uh, so you go to the Ubisoft San Francisco office and you uh, you hack into their servers and you find this. And uh, the accompanying flavor text is stuff about like, oh Christ, I'm trying to think. It's it's stuff about you know game reviewers being, <laughs> essentially being scumbags, being pieces of shit. Yeah. And it's um, it's it's one of these things where you remember. I I, I can understand why they did it because it's I guess it's cute. To I I wouldn't do it if I was well, if I was making my perfect watchdogs too. But you can see why they do it in terms of they have an office in the city that this is taking place in. Um, but but it's defensive and and weirdly mean spirited toward uh. I don't know. I maybe I mean, I'm taking it, it too personally because I review games, but I'm I'm definitely not as powerful as the people who made that game. <laughs> if the mission is to steal the trailer for the next Ubisoft game and put it on the internet because that's going to get you lots of attention, that's Ubisoft saying our games are really popular and people want to look at them. It's an advert for Ubisoft. Yeah, it's and a, it's a it is an advert for Ubisoft I, games. And there is a way to do that. I think where it's just kind of like, oh, you, you know, you you just kind of forgive it because it's it's sort of a I, I would I don't think I would ever like doing that other than I guess you can just put the the office in the building or in the in the map because sure why not it's there I don't know grab it both grab it by both hands and use it as an opportunity to set your own house on fire a little bit I I think people would respect it I think people would applaud it I think they'd write about it well you, you hear people talk about it in the last few Assassin's Creed games where the present day stuff takes place at Ubisoft Montreal you know in in the future and and so by association ubisoft they're saying that ubisoft montreal is run by you know the secret the secret evil illuminati in assassin's creed which is funny you know it's it's if you're going to put yourself in there and 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 be cute like that then yeah saying yeah we are actually part of the evil conspiracy that all these games are about is is one way to do it i guess um but that that almost seems like a, it almost seems like a sort of covert threat. Like we <laughs> we are the Knights Templar, buy our games and kind of fall in line, because we belong to this. But then isn't that organization? Isn't that kind of interesting commentary on its own too? That's like we're we're so well, ubiquitous yeah. that. I I mean I don't want to go 
I don't want to go too far afield with with some of this stuff, but um, in, in terms of saying this is a game that's criticizing the excesses of, uh, there's a good article, and I will try to remember to put it in the show notes by Will Pardon, who uh, you know Will Ed from. I do. Used to edit the meta. He's done lots of, like esports stuff for Glixel and uh, Rolling Stone and um, other places. Anyway, he wrote a really good piece. Um, for the LA Review of Books on Watch Dogs 2 and essentially talking about one, one thing that sticks out to me it's came out, this article was published earlier this year uh, so it's been a while since I've read it but he he talks about how this this very thing uh, the idea that <clears throat> you're, you know, one of the things I, I think about with it is you're, you're signing the EULA, which I think Will points out at the beginning of this game, consenting to send your information to Ubisoft about how of course, you, yeah. you know, your your play behavior and your, you know, statistics and everything, um, which there's maybe no, <laughs> no more direct example of the irony of this game uh, than yeah, you. Yeah, I don't think I don't think you can come back from that really. You hitting X on this giant EULA, uh, and then you know press new game and it starts with this thing about big corporations are you know <laughs> stealing your data <laughs> mm-hmm. they're doing this and this and but you know all of these things said I think when you when you play a game same with I think any any movie or, or book or anything it can be easy sometimes to games especially because you can you know that you play them for such a long time to go through them to forget the circumstances in which they were made which I think is mm. something really harmful in terms of how poorly the industry treats a lot of the people who are in it, and you forget about it because you're playing the game and you're not thinking about the people who made it when it's good. Uh, and the same, th- I think, can be said for Watch Dogs in its favor. Not that it wouldn't still be hypocritical, but you could play this game, and if it's telling you a, a story that is coherent and well-articulated about the dangers of a big technology corporations. You can forget maybe that it's made by Ubisoft while you're listening to the story. You mm-hmm. know? But ought you? No. That's a that's a that's a patronizing question. You can, but yeah, I don't I don't think it's um I don't think you should. No, I, I don't I don't think you should either. But I think I have a lot of conflicting thoughts on this because I don't want to try to be too idealistic and say that no, you, sh- you should just play this and you should think the whole time about the circumstances under which it was made but then also there are a lot of people who are trying to maybe say something and who need to work at a Ubisoft in order to mm, survive to and, and to make mm-hmm. whatever they want to make Yeah, you know, so it's like if you were you know, a classical composer working for the, you know, a duke in Austria and you're writing anti-war songs and writing anti, anti-war work and your your patron is going to war at the time, you know, it's, um, I, I do have sympathy for people trying to say something that maybe appears hypocritical because of the matter, the manner by which it's funded. I, I, yeah. But I don't know. Whatever. That's that's a sort of a big tangent about this game, and I think that's a really interesting and important issue with what it's trying to say. But I don't think it's 
I think because the game kind of shoots itself in its foot on its own, this this aspect of it is just I don't know, it's just icing on the cake for what this game is. It's one I I have more sympathy for than anything else. I, I kind of sympathize for it more than I like it. I sympathize for it more than I can really argue its case. There's something about it that I want to not defend, but to to not even respect. There's something about it that I not want to see more of exactly. I mean, I do, but that's that's not quite the way of putting it. There's something about this game that I even admire. I can't quite find the word. I sympathize with it. I can see basically at every point of Watch Dogs 2 when I, the entire time I was playing it what I could see more than anything was in kind of like block capital letters what they were trying to do you know I, I can yeah. sympathise with basically every single part of this game I can see I mean maybe that's in and of itself a weakness if, if their intentions are so clear it eliminates the sort of I'm being entertained these guys are magicians doing something that's you know impossible to fathom aspects that you'd like to maybe have when you experience great art but I was playing it and I could just see every step of the way yep this is what they're trying to do and pretty much everything that they were trying to do more or less everything they were trying to do was worthwhile and all of the ways that they were being scuppered from doing it were old video games and what I expected and not unique to Watch Dogs 2 even this stuff about the characters having these violent clashes between missions and cutscenes Red Dead Redemption is terrible for that and that's regarded as you know one of the highest examples of, of art that video games have or mainstream or pop video games have and Red Dead Redemption is a game where John Marston extols the virtues of giving up a life of crime in one moment and then you can go out and tie a nun to a railway track and watch her get run over and get an achievement for it as well the achievement the I think next. is the nail in the coffin the of that one the cherry on the cupcake for that one so there's all of the things I think or most of the things that damage Watch Dogs 2 are not exclusively Watch Dogs 2's Watch Dog oh fucking hell Watch Dogs 2's problem and all of the things I sympathise and like about it are things I hadn't really seen in a game of that size and budget before so for that reason I kind of come down on its side all of the things that it's trying to do are new and all of the ways or, or newish and all of the things that it's fucking up because of are old and inherited. So for that yeah. reason, it's a sort of... I, I can come down... I'm never going to protect it. I'm not going to say to people, you've got to play this game. Because it's a really dull experience as well. It's, it's too long. It's drawn out. It's quite thin. And uh, the conviction wavers in quite a lot of sequences. But... Yeah, what I said before. It's trying to do things I've not seen before. And it's being... It's being uh, hindered by things I have seen before, so for that reason, I feel like it's got at least some. I know what you mean. Nouvelle Vague edge. I I know what you mean, and that's why at the beginning too, when you said, "What do you think of this game?" <laughs> I had to think about it before feeling comfortable saying I don't like it, because I I I don't like it. It's I feel like I, it would be easy to be too charitable to this game. I think it'd be easy to. Um, to say these other parts don't matter because what it does well is 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 really neat. But I I think you know I always try to think what will I feel about this game in in six months from now and I I don't think I'll have many memories of it because it's the execution is just so off. Um, but 
but but there is something to it there's i would even defend aspects of this game of being an open world game i think this is one uh that like the rest of the game comes close to justifying uh why it's an open world game in terms of like running around this city that very much feels like San Francisco and the you know the bay area is is Marcus's it belongs to him you know it's mm. it's uh and i i think the the openness of it of of him sort of i don't know seeming like he knows every nook and cranny just because of you know that's how open world games work when they sort of mark everything for you it feels like that's actually something Marcus should know uh, mm. and does know and same with dead sec like this is this is their territory. This is, you know, where they belong. Um, but again, that's not... I don't think that's taken advantage of. Um, I, I think it, it falls too neatly into the same kind of, you know, sort of collectible hunting sort of thing that does not imply ownership over an area or control over an area. It, it implies that he's, you know, on this... Like, why is he taking selfies of himself in front of landmarks in... Yeah. In you know this area that he's presumably lived in for a very long time, it's mm. things like that just kind of undercut it, right? Um, even if they're kind of cute, I keep describing things in this as cute, but it's the only word I can think of. Um, so I I don't want to praise it too much because I also think if someone else had praised this game to high heavens to me, I'd I'd think they were uh, off. You know, their judgment was off. In, in terms mm-hmm. of this, but it is it is something you know a, a hair more unique than than most of these kind of games that you see. It has some spirit to it. It has something to it. It just it's just such a mess. That's and that's one of the reasons why it's so disappointing is is how close it comes to being something that's not. You know, and I think that's it. I, I think it just it falls victim to a lot of things that um, it was always going to fall victim to as a three A sandbox game made by Ubisoft. This was always going to happen. But remember when Ubisoft used to make these games that had some? There was a point in time when like the Assassin's Creed thing felt super novel. You know when like well, they had yeah, and there was games like uh, Thirteen. I remember Splinter Cell. The original having some real teeth. Uh, same with Rainbow Six Siege actually being really violent in a way that was discouraging. Uh, well, think of like yeah, there's there's a handful of early Assassin's Creed games. There's like that Prince of Persia, the yeah, that sort of early two thousands one, and like Far Cry two. I think was really something. Far Cry two was the one I was trying to pull out of my memory. Yeah, exactly. Far Cry two. I mean, that's that's. Uh, that's a canonical kind of game, um, and I mean that's yeah, that's kind of what keeps me from being like, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna knock developer or publisher with Ubisoft. It's mm. kind of, I think, deliberately kind of uh, mixed in, so it's hard to tell. Uh, I'm not gonna knock what they can do because I think there's, at times, man, they they're capable of making these really big budget games that have have something to them. Uh, and maybe that factors into the Watch Dogs thing too, where it, it feels like it could have been one of those. It could have been one of the yeah. ones where it, it has enough sort of accessibility to to meet the, you know, frankly, kind of asinine mainstream 
big budget game requirements, but that it also has a soul uh, mm-hmm. and and a sense of conviction. Um, yeah, and, and we talked we talked a lot about how it kind of falls flat as as a you know critique of of technology and, and you know big data and everything, but I could also see this game working as just a straight up really stupid intentionally stupid kind of like hackers kind of thing uh, which it flirts with over and over again and doesn't seem to understand how to be that entirely no it doesn't uh, I don't know I don't know I don't know if I would enjoy it as much I actually almost prefer it I'd, I'd rather play this mess that's trying something than play something that's just absurd and and almost like frivolous and knowingly so I don't even if it was more entertaining and more cogent I'd probably still rather play this kind of messy, try-hard thing. Well, I'm not suggesting that it should be Saints Row. Right. You know that that's I I don't find that that's not my cup of tea. I think that goes too far. But I think there's a way to have a little less of the seriousness that actually would maybe let the satire stand on its own a little bit more. You mm. know, I'll I'll reference Hackers again, which is a just a confounding movie. Have you seen that? No, I haven't. Okay, I won't. I won't talk too much about it though. But it, you know, it's it's very much of its time, late '90s, trying to uh, trying to sort of be a movie about hacker subculture, uh, apparently without knowing really what the internet is or what computers are. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, but that movie still has it's it's incredibly campy. And that's, I think, what makes it enjoyable. Um, it is trying to say something, it and it does say something. I think about these, you know, these kids who are, you know, it's, it's a dead set kind of thing. It's a collection of kids. They recruit, uh, they recruit um, sort of a, a wonder kid into their cause, and and their whole idea is they're going to. Camera rigs exactly how they get to this point, but they're trying to take down sort of an evil company um, that they're desperately outmatched against and that has the support of you know the bureaucracy in, in the city I forget what city it's set in I think it's LA um, and then so it has all these pretty deliberate I think maybe intentional one-to-ones with with watchdogs too um, but it sells itself like there's I think you'll know what I mean when I say a, a sort of sincere campiness like mm-hmm. a, a not nodding and winking but but just straight ahead um, which they come close to when they, they have certain things like they have you know in their hacker space the main one that you keep going to like on, on a locker it's like graffiti hashtag something like the lulls or something you know it's all this stupid stupid shit but you can see kind of like them trying to make this uh, over exaggerated aesthetic of what mm. a hacker would be in 2016 right and I, I kind of wanted them to, to go head first into that stuff and, and not try to be so serious about these, you know, different betrayals. And, uh, you know, one of the characters dies and it comes out of nowhere because mm-hmm. of the open world format. You just, <laughs> you think you're just on a way to a mission and all of a sudden there's a, a you know, one of the main character's friends is dying in his arms. Um, and I don't think it needed that stuff. I don't think it needed to take itself so seriously. I think it's actually truer to what it's trying to show that these characters are just 
you know, they're just kind of rascals. Like they're mm. super smart, and what they're doing is is really important. But they're not, you know, that, that's part of their power is their, their I was gonna youth say exactly and their vibrancy. That. Yeah, that them them being rascals isn't to sort of diminish what they're doing. It's actually part of their power. Is is what makes them the perfect people. The only people who can take down exactly what it is they're trying to take down. Yeah, um, because they're they're not bureaucratic and yeah, you know. They're not full yeah. of themselves. I, I don't know though. I, I mean, I'm just gonna end up talking about what I wish this game was, and I don't think that's. I don't know if that's constructive. No, it's probably not. I, I, I try and stop myself from saying I wish they'd done this or they should have done that. Um, but I do feel like there's a. Uh, there are some lines that I want Watch Dogs to to cross, and it doesn't. And there are some that I really don't want it to cross, and it does. And uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much the the things I wish they'd done differently was to have crossed or to not have crossed some of these lines. Um, yeah, it's um, you, sorry. Would you would you recommend the first game at all? No, no. I, I, mm. I find it very difficult too. Apart from as a curio these days, I find See, it difficult. But then, it, like, I almost said yes. You do have to remember when I lobbied hard for us to talk about Battlefield Hardline because that that was enjoyable to me in some sense. Of, yeah. Of uh, I, I think Watch Dogs One is a, is a pretty disgusting game. I, I think it's there are certain ways that it's it's inept. And I think in its ineptitude, it becomes kind of uh, kind of frightening. Um, and and I think I don't know if if you were just someone who was just playing games once in a while, I would never recommend that game to you mm. uh, as as something worth your time. And it's hard with these games too, even to say to someone who's morbidly curious that you should spend you know twenty to thirty hours playing something just to to look at the ways it it doesn't work. Um, but yeah. I, I don't know. And I know you're I'd, leading into saying, but would you recommend the second one, right? No, 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 not at all. No, I'm curious as to, um, in light of the second one, what reputation the first one will maintain, if any. I, I, I regard the first one as the not exactly joy, but excitement, thrill, rush, intrigue of playing the first one is to kind of be looking down the sewer grate into some of the lowest excesses I guess that video game writing specifically has uh, and there's something perversely compelling about a game that's so utterly, that's both like utterly tone deaf but wants you to believe that it's not it's, it, it, it's got no social conscience whatsoever but attends itself as a kind of story of redemption and bettering the urban environment and improving the city and ridding it of injustice but it's there's there's something sort of irresistible about a game that is so but would you recommend that to itself. someone I don't think I'd recommend it I couldn't in good conscience say you should sit down and play this thing in its totality because it's going to make you uh realize how awful it is you know I can't that, that's not a recommendation. Plus, um, I think, I, I think, you get a, a a more distilled version of that playing 
maybe like Hardline, which will take you less time. Yeah, yeah. Hardline is a game that really thinks it's on the side of good, and is uh, fundamentally not. So, would you <laughs> recommend that we play Hardline again and do another episode on it? I think we should. I think we should do Hardline I, I think, every every three months. You know. I think we should, and I think we should keep rotating. It shouldn't. <laughs> it shouldn't be any of us doing talking That's... about it. It should just be. We should have to like. It should be like ice bucket challenge, you know. We should have a donation set up where <laughs> these people have to play it and then talk about it for an hour. Has, <laughs> that, has that been topped or rather bottomed? I suppose on this show, did we I, concur well, we, that Ghost Recon Wildlands was was lower on the bullet points ometer than Hardline? I think I, I said it was. I, I think we talked about this, and I think at the time I was saying Wildlands was was lower. I think Wildlands. I think Wildlands in its international. Uh, in in the I don't know hard lines. <laughs> it's hard, but isn't it? They're kind of neck and neck. I think Wildlands might be slightly worse, but it's hard to say. It's yeah. Uh, they both promote something that is incredibly unconscionable. They belong with each other. Unconscionable. They should be sold in a dual pack. They should be sold in a, dual, in a dual pack. That's absolutely right. Yeah. Like these. Do you remember? Did you ever have those in the UK where sometimes uh, games, like years after they came out, you get like a dual pack? Yeah. You'd be like, actually, on this Ubisoft tip, I remember getting with a friend of mine Splinter Cell and Prince of Persia, and we split the cost and then traded halfway after we that's, finished them, and it was fantastic. That's smart. Yeah, that's smart. They made Driver. They made Driver San Francisco as well. That was one of my game. favorite games of all time. I, think I wouldn't go that far. But oh, I would. They made Assassin's Creed 3. Which is a total mess, but occasionally mm. prescient and smart, and again, with a, a good conscience. Um, it's got some really little poetic moments, I think, Assassin's Creed 3. It's got some real stings. I think so, too. And I think 1, 2, and... Uh, you know all the all the two related games. I, I think they all have something to them. Yeah, they all yeah, redeem they themselves in some ways. Um, and I I even enjoy parts of four because I've got a a, a huge soft spot for Welsh accents. Well, well, for Welsh accents, for sea shanties, and for sort of nauticalia, I guess in general. And it just made me want a Moby Dick game. That's all I came away yeah, from that with. Yeah, there's 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 a better version of Black Flag to be made and unfortunately they're not doing it because they're doing that massively multiplayer pirate game anyway um, <laughs> yeah so that's and that's Watch Dogs 2 and that's Watch Dogs 2 I mean that's Watch Dogs 2 and kind of Ubisoft as it stands in 2017 what if Watch I, Dogs um, 3 takes place on a variety of cruise ships well and you have a little dinghy in your, your uh, you know you're trying to deconstruct the cruise industry uh yeah yeah you're david you're david foster wallace yeah on his cruise and, and you're trying to yeah your quest givers are like i don't know who who plays a lot of cruise ships like jimmy buffett like yeah. I, don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know how yeah. howie bandell is on there or not howie yeah. bandell it's like uh oh god no howie mandel yeah yeah. You go up to him and he tells you how to sneak into the the hold where the special server is. 
one of that's right one of your mission givers is a kind of um like heart tribute band (laughs) 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 i i do yeah i i would listen to barracuda while i'm hacking some nodes yeah a, a cover version of barracuda where they can't quite hit the high notes. <laughs> well, if they call it Sea Dogs, if you want to buy that idea off of us, Ubisoft, by all means, get or sponsor this podcast. That's our that's our Patreon. You see just a list of of normal of names and handles, and then it's yeah, Ubisoft LLC. <laughs> oh, well, maybe they will one day if we keep talking about their game so happily with such fervor i'm sure they're bound to uh so that's Watch Dogs 2 is there anything that you've been playing recently right we we kind of go in and out of doing these game recommendation things uh-huh. um and i i mean i mine is uh, a lesser known ubisoft game just okay. to just to you know counterbalance some of the things that we've been criticizing them for uh it's actually not it's not that good but it's their kind of it's their resident evil 4 derivative um, you know, it's a, it's a variation on Resident Evil 4, if you like, called Cold Fear from 2005, mm. which actually takes place on a boat, oddly enough, Look at since this. we've just been talking about boats. So they it's have... an over-the-shoulder, laser-sight, monster shooter. Um, but it's got some terrific scenes where people, I think, fondly remember the ship capsize shootout from Uncharted 3. Well, Cold Fear did that some six years prior wow these really great scenes where the boat is kind of going from side to side and you're you're having to aim around that and it's uh yeah it's got some good scares actually cold fear so that's one of my recommendations actually does sound kind of interesting it's difficult to play now it's very slow it's very 2005 i suppose uh why did resident evil 4 age like a, a fine wine and its knockoffs did not uh, I suppose it's just because they're knockoffs, so they inevitably look out of step as opposed to Resident Evil 4, which looked, you know, in front of everybody else. But also, there are so many other things about Resident Evil 4 that yeah, those yeah. games don't get. Um, yeah, you, you can't, you can't get them. You're not allowed to no. have them. Resident Evil 4 is a, it's a true original. Exactly. Um, I'm kind of like buying time here because I'm trying to think of what I played that I, I would, I would put out there. It doesn't have to be another Ubisoft game. <laughs> no, I know, I know. I'm just thinking, I, I have uh, a list of things that I'm playing this week, and I, some of those might be interesting, but it's it's hard to say at this point. So maybe I'm just going to, I don't know, play Assassin's Creed 3. Play it again. Play it with an open heart. <laughs> play. No, I think that's, that's a fair recommendation, because I think Assassin's Creed 3 rewards that kind of approach a little bit. I think so. I'm... I'm a little bit cautious about recommending it too wholeheartedly because it has been, you know, I played it when it came out. But I, I think that game, for some reason, gets so much scorn heaped upon it. And I think if you're interested in more than just, you know, the, the reptilian aspects of, of open-world Ubisoft games and, and you're interested in sort of North American history, I, I think it's an interesting piece of historical fiction that is a little clumsy at times but is is interesting and I think Connor is actually a fantastic character and we didn't mm. talk at all I think Marcus is a good character too I think so as well yeah That's he's uh we should, you have, can, we should have gone to that but yeah yeah you can imagine 
<laughs> so so few of them in games. You can imagine him being a real person. Yeah. He seems like he uh, he seems like someone you could actually talk to and is not a robot. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Assassin's Creed Three. I'm 3. not a robot. What's that song? I don't know. Marina and the Diamonds. Don't you have that band in in that country that you're from? No, they were actually banned here. We weren't allowed to. Uh, <laughs> we weren't allowed to get them. Um. Okay. So yeah, Assassin's Creed Three does it, it rewards going into it with a a slight. If you try almost to ignore the Assassin's Creed name and think about this thing as uh, a bit of a anomaly, because there are things in there that didn't occur in any of the other Assassin's Creed games. I don't think. Um. But it is a it's a big bag of stuff that one. It's a long game and it's sort yeah. of the bloody place. It's the way that the timeline skips in and out. You it's a of, it's a messy game. Through, it's a messy game. You're walking through town. You kind of go into a mission marker, and the game jumps five years, and then you come out of it and you've jumped back five years. It's 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 a strange setup. Anyway, um, all right. So that's Watch Dogs Two. We're going to be doing on our next episode will be Wolfenstein the new order and we are heading into our gears of war month aren't we on the written website yeah and i think if you are listening to this on you know the first two days that it's out you uh you know before <laughs> i've done the work of putting up the new month mm. so look forward to that look forward to that gears of war go and have a look at bulletpointsmonthly.com we've just done our month on the new order we have some really good articles there yeah we're doing Gears of War and we've got a few little exciting secret games over the next couple of months and if you enjoy this podcast and you enjoy our written work as well you can go to patreon.com forward slash bulletpoints donate a couple of dollars every month to help us keep the lights on we value it very 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 much Uh, we enjoy doing this and we want to be able to keep doing it so you're donations are extremely appreciated i meant to say Um, as well before you uh head into the last lines i always feel bad because i always forget to say that thank you thank you thank you to the people who are already uh you know retweeting and and supporting us on patreon Um, it's yeah sincerely (laughs) we're always on the hustle for more but uh for for more help but uh the people who are, are supporting us right now are you know this this thing is still a going concern because of because of you. Absolutely, yep. Um, so yeah, thanks for letting us keep doing this because um, we do love it. I mean, I, I, I do actually mean that. You know what I mean? Sometimes I feel like I say that and it sounds a bit sarky, but no, I really like doing this. And, I don't. Uh, I don't care for it. <laughs> I can take it or leave it. Yeah, it's yeah. whatever. It's fine. Okay, well you can find Reed. You can find you on Twitter, can't you? At um, at Reed McCarter. Got it in one. Yeah, and you can find me on Twitter at Most Sincerely Ed. And you can find this podcast at Bullet Points VG. That's where we update uh, with all the latest articles and things like that, as well as our constant, almost daily pleads for money. Are we done? Yeah, I think that's it. I think I we think can. That's it. Hey, Ed, I think we can log off now. <laughs> <laughs> See you next time. <laughs>